The reading of Scripture this morning comes again from the prophet Isaiah, today from chapter 35. I invite you to open your Bible or one of the pew Bibles for the reading of God's Word. But first, let me remind you that during these four weeks of Advent, today being the fourth Sunday in Advent, the sermon series is focusing on the Advent theme of waiting, waiting for the coming of the Lord, waiting in humility, waiting in holiness, waiting in hope. And today's theme, waiting in homesickness. Now, each of the sermons has been, as is today also, is from a passage in the book of the prophet Isaiah. So before we read God's Word, let us ask the author of this Scripture to grant to us the blessing of His Spirit, by whom this Word was breathed out, to breathe upon us, to open our minds and our hearts with spiritual understanding and receptivity. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we give you great thanks that you have not left us to perish in darkness, but you have given to us your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, the light of the world for our salvation. We pray in His name now for the blessing of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of the third person of the divine Trinity in our midst, to open our eyes and to open our ears and to open our hearts that we may truly receive and believe your word, and respond in true faith. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Word of God, it is written. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. 
It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. To His name be all praise, honor, and glory. Amen. Amen. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Have you ever wondered why we sing that hymn so often during the season of Advent? Have you ever wondered what that song is really about? Have you ever wondered why it sounds so sad? Why then would we sing such a sad song now in these weeks, even these last few days before Christmas? Have you ever wondered that? Well, these are good questions. Questions which can help us hear the gospel of Jesus Christ from Isaiah chapter 35. And there's a connection I want you to see between the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and this passage, Isaiah 35. Now, for the sake of those who were not here last Sunday and for the sake of those who were, a little review that you remember last Sunday, our passage came from Isaiah chapter 11, the prophecy of the peaceable kingdom in which the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the goat and the cow and the bear shall graze and the lion shall eat straw like the ox and a little child shall lead them. Well, this is the vision of Eden restored, of God's creation, redeemed, renewed under the reign of the Messiah. It gives us a prophetic picture of the hope of glory, of the new heavens and the new earth. A vision of this old and fallen and sin-sick, broken, dying creation, finally and completely set free from its bondage to decay. A vision of heaven on earth, the kingdom of God, in all of its everlasting righteousness, peace, and joy. And that passage is intended to stretch our imagination to the breaking point and to thrill our hearts as we meditate on the glory that is yet to be revealed to those who follow Christ and suffer with Him in this world. Now, likewise, we said that that prophecy from Isaiah 11 had its partial fulfillment in the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. We also said that it is continuing to be fulfilled in its present time as, as Christ's reign over our lives and over the church brings new life to us and fills our hearts and our community of faith with His peace. 
But ultimately, finally, it is a vision of that glory which is yet to be revealed with the redemption of all creation. Well, the passage today from Isaiah 35 works in the same way. It gives us a prophetic vision of the redemption and the renewal of all creation, a world made new again, a world full of life and beauty and joy. The prophecy says, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Verses 6 and 7. Waters break forth in the wilderness. By the way, you know, in our contemporary parlance, some of us love the, the wilderness. You know, we like to go out and that's, that's, you know, the beauty of nature and the Rockies or wherever, Tinsaw Parish, wherever the, the wilderness is, we want to be there. That's, that's not how the word is used in the Bible. In the wilderness, it is a desolate, dangerous place. You don't really want to be there. But here the waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert and the burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. So you see these are images of new life, reinvigoration, regeneration, revival in the natural world. As with the peaceful kingdom in Isaiah 11 speaks to us with the imagery of a creation set free from its bondage to decay. And notice the personification in the prophetic poetry, a desolate, dry, lifeless, silent desert will one day rejoice with joy and singing. A God-forsaken wilderness, a lifeless desert will one day be renewed with the glory of beautiful places like the lush northern forests of Lebanon and Carmel and Sharon mentioned in the text, regions which in Isaiah's day were known for their beautiful forests and their abundant prosperity. So again, like Isaiah 11, Isaiah 35 gives us a prophetic vision of the renewal of all creation which will come through the reign of the Messiah. It is in that sense a very happy prophecy. But as with Isaiah 11, we must read it in its overall context. And the overall context is one of devastating judgment. The immediately preceding chapter, 34, is a prophecy of utter and absolute judgment and devastation. The nations which had destroyed, or which would, in Isaiah's prophecy, destroy Jerusalem would themselves be destroyed. Jerusalem itself would be destroyed and was by the Babylonians. And then the Babylonians took the Judeans from their native land back into exile. You see, Isaiah, by the power of the Holy Spirit, looked down the corridors of time and saw the Babylonian destruction coming. Saw the exile, the Judeans carried off into a strange land. But also, he saw the day when the Judean exiles in Babylon would return home to Jerusalem. So, 
It's against the backdrop. And if you're not familiar with that history, that's okay. That's okay. But it's, it's just remember, it's against a backdrop of devastation and of judgment, which the Jewish people themselves would experience and, and did experience in 587 when Jerusalem was destroyed. But then the joyful homecoming, that's the, that's the backdrop. That, that's what Isaiah saw. He pronounced, he prophesied judgment, and then he prophesied redemption. That's how the prophet spoke. Judgment, redemption. So think about what it would have been like to have been one of those Judean exiles in Babylon. To have been carried away against your will by terrible enemies who had conquered your land and destroyed your capital city and everything dear to you and just left it as a desolate a desolate wilderness. A desert a beautiful city having become just a desert, a wasteland. To have been forced then to live in a strange land among people of a strange language, strange customs, strange religion. Well, Psalm 137 is a psalm of the exile. It says, By the waters of Babylon there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion, which is another name for Jerusalem. Do you feel that? By the waters of Babylon there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like homesickness. That sounds like longing for home. So when you think about those Judean exiles in Babylon, can you imagine them crying out with another song? O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. But here's the point. That hymn that we sing so often during Advent isn't about the Judean exiles in Babylon. It's about us. It's about the church of Jesus Christ, the Israel of the new covenant. In fact, the first letter of the apostle Peter is addressed to the elect exiles. That's us. If indeed we are citizens of heaven through faith in Christ, if your citizenship is in heaven, then you are an exile in this world. The letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 13, says that God's redeemed people in Christ are, quote, strangers and exiles on the earth. Therefore, the church of Jesus Christ is the Israel of God, the people of God, bought and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb now in exile in this fallen world, this creation which is subject to its bondage to decay, this sin-sick, dying world. The familiar Advent hymn is a prayer that we sing for ourselves. 
for the one church of Jesus Christ throughout the world as we long and pray for Him to come again and rescue us from the captivity of this fallen, sin-sick world of death and bring us home. Bring us home from exile into His everlasting kingdom in the new heavens and the new earth when He comes again. So both this familiar Advent hymn and this passage of Isaiah 35 are about going home, our true home, our eternal home. And and the prophecy in Isaiah 35 works in the same way that Isaiah 11 does in various different ways. And what I mean by that is, first of all, we can see this prophecy very clearly fulfilled in the life and ministry of Jesus. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not, behold your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the lion shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped and the Shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy? We saw it all happen in Jesus' ministry. And, and, and what was the point of Jesus' ministry when he healed people, when he cleansed lepers, when he gave sight to the blind and, and opened the ears of the dead? What was going on there? Well, something much bigger than just just doing wonderful things, and they were wonderful things for those afflicted people. Of course they were, but they were signs. Those miracles were signs that through Jesus, the new creation would come. Through Jesus, the the, the curse would be reversed. Not only for a few particular individuals in history, but for the whole creation. And so when Jesus went about doing these miracles and particularly cleansing lepers or or people who had diseases, other diseases which rendered them unclean or pronouncing the forgiveness of sins on those whose lives had been contaminated severely by sin. I mean, you you can think about, for example, um, um, think about the woman with the flow of blood. In, in Jewish community, it, it made her unclean. She was separated from the community. She, she had been cast out. In other words, spiritually speaking, she was, she was an exile. The woman at the well of Samaria. Uh, think, of, think of Matthew the tax collector. Uh, Zacchaeus the tax collector. Despised by the people because of their betrayal of their nation. They were, they were in exile. What was Jesus doing? Everywhere he went, he was bringing people home. That's why his parables are so endearing to us. You know the parable of the lost sheep? The shepherd leaves the 99, he goes, he finds the one, puts him on his shoulder and comes home rejoicing. You remember the story of the lost boy, the prodigal son? It's, it's all about being brought home. And so Jesus' miracles of healing were evidence that in Him, God had come into the world to bring salvation and abundant life to all who believe, bring them home into a redeemed and restored relationship with God. 
Bring them to a place, yes, a place in which redeemed sinners would dwell with God and He would dwell with them. How marvelous is that? The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame man shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. But John Calvin comments on these verses, what Christ bestowed on their bodies, the blind, the deaf, the lame, was only a token, only a token of the far more abundant and a blessing, uh, excellent blessings which he imparts to our souls. And so, for example, these verses inspired Charles Wesley to write these words in another well-known hymn which we love to sing. Hear him, ye deaf, his praise, ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold, your Savior come, and leap, ye lame, for joy. Now, those lyrics aren't about people who lived in Jesus' day 2,000 years ago. Those verses are about you and me. They're referring to all those who by, by the nature of our sin are deaf to the Word of God, blind to the Word of God. Our tongues are, have been dumb, so to speak, without speaking His praise. Our lives have been paralyzed by sin. We can't leap with joy. That's what sin does. Sin ruins life. So these verses are about us. And all those who by Christ's word and the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit have had their spiritually blind eyes opened. They're spiritually deaf ears unstopped, their spiritually lame lives, spiritual paralysis, given new life and strength. The redeeming, restoring, new life-giving ministry of Jesus continues today. The joy of salvation is for all who will receive Christ and His kingdom. Do not harden your hearts to Him today. Isaiah uses this imagery of the transformation and renewal of creation to speak of the transformation and the renewal of life for us in Jesus Christ. He has come. He has come and has become a curse for us. He has borne the curse for us. He has borne our sins in His own body on the tree so that we might be born again to a living hope a real hope of, Im, of an imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance, a life, glory, reserved for us in His heavenly kingdom. The imagery of the burning sand becoming a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling with springs is a poetic Imagery is poetic imagery portraying the work of God's Spirit to bring new life, spiritual life to thirsty, 
parched souls. Jesus himself said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus was speaking not only to the people of his own day in his earthly ministry. He was and is by his spirit today speaking to us all, you and me. And when we, spiritually speaking, hear Jesus' voice, that is, his voice, not that we make up in our minds, his voice we hear speaking through Scripture. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, something miraculous takes place. The Word of God goes forth. The gospel goes forth. I speak. Sound waves cross the air. They hit your eardrum. It flutters. Your brain translates that. You hear words. You hear my voice. You hear the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ with your head. But when the miraculous occurs, you hear that by the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart. That's what I mean. And when we really hear Jesus say, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And our eyes are opened and we see Jesus for who he is. We see Him, Christ the Lord, the Savior, the only Savior, whom the only God has sent into the world, and the only Savior who can save us. When we see Him, when our eyes are opened, we see Him, and we see our lives and our sins in His light, and we see our redemption in Him. When we, spiritually speaking, Hear His voice, and we are enabled, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit coming through the gospel to get up off of our paralytic's pallet and run to Him and come to Him and follow Him. Then we know that Jesus has come to bring us home so that we may live in His kingdom forever. So this prophecy from Isaiah 35 works in the same way. We can see, we can see it fulfilled in part through Jesus' earthly ministry. We can see it in part fu fulfilled in the present, now, now, when we come to Christ and, and, and the wilderness of our lives and the dry land of our lives and the desert is renewed. We, we're, we've, we've been made new. And now there's a new beauty and a, and a new joy and a living water in our lives. That's what Christ does for us in the present. But as with Isaiah 11, it points to the future as well. Because as soon as we realize that we belong to Jesus Christ and to His 
kingdom, we realize that we are no longer at home in this world. And that's what the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Philippians. Our citizenship is in heaven and we await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are waiting. And if we are truly His and if our heart's hope is on His heavenly kingdom come to earth, then we're waiting in homesickness, longing for the day when Christ will come again and bring His new creation in all its glory. A new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth. A creation completely set free from all the effects of sin and evil. Look around you. Would you just look around at this world? You see the heartache. You see the brokenness. You see the pain. You see the disease. You see the ravages of of sin and the fall and the curse and the darkness. But if our eyes have been opened, we see Jesus. And we have the hope of glory set before us. And there is a day coming when those who are in Christ by faith shall see it gloriously fulfilled for He comes to make His blessings flow far as, far as the curse is found. This is ultimately and finally what Isaiah 35 is about. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice, blossom like the crocus. And the ransomed of the Lord, the word ransom means to be bought back out of slavery. It echoes the Exodus. It has some reference to the exiles coming home from Babylon. But brothers and sisters, what this is about is being ransomed by Jesus Christ. The Son of Man came, Jesus said of Himself, not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. The the ransomed of the Lord, the blood-bought of the Lord, those saved out of slavery shall return and come to Zion, the new Jerusalem with singing and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. This is the real homecoming from exile. When we are coming home, Through Jesus Christ, they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. It sounds very much like the Apostle John's vision of the new creation, heavenly kingdom on earth in the book of the Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. Brothers and sisters, that's being home. The day's coming, we're going to be home in Jesus Christ and with Jesus Christ in a creation that has been set free from its bondage to decay. 
Some of you are feeling that. Some of you are aching for that. Some of you are grieving in that hope right now. We all ought to be. Because there's a day coming when finally, finally, if in Christ, through Christ, with Christ, we will be at home with God. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And therefore I am sure that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so in this world, we are called to be people who are waiting. Waiting in humility. Waiting in holiness. Waiting in hope. Waiting in homesickness. Oh, come, thou key of David, come. And open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high. And close the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, and for the hope of glory which we have in him. How we pray that by the grace of your Holy Spirit you would indeed more and more and more renew us in the everlasting life which Jesus Christ has come to give us. And transform the wilderness of our lives into the beautiful garden in which we will dwell with you forever. To the glory of your name, amen. In response to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, would you please stand for the affirmation of faith the Nicene Creed, the faith of the one church of Jesus Christ throughout history and throughout the world. Christians, in whom do you believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light. Our salvation, 
May God bless you for the remission of sins.